Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. The gang is here. Sandy Max is in the studio. So is Greg Matzik. Debbie Lazica has your roads. And Adam Roberts is producing the show this afternoon. It is May 17th. Each year on May 17th is National Pack Rats Day. Pack rat is kind of a funny term. It's from the late 1800s. It refers to a wood rat known for hoarding food and random objects. So a pack rat is somebody who tends to hold on to a lot of stuff, keep a lot of different things around their house. And this day encourages us to look at ourselves to see if we have pack rat tendencies and if that gets in the way with us being in a good space. Are you a pack rat, would you say? Do you hold on to a lot of stuff? Do you have papers and boxes and files and mementos and... Guilty as charged. I like to hold on to a lot of stuff, too. I got it from my dad, and now I have things at this point in my life. This is the problem. If you keep things a certain amount of time, yes, they're junk. You just get rid of it. Right. And then you keep them a certain amount of time. It's like, oh, this could be worth something at some point. Now I've kept <laughs> things like albums and like buttons from high school. Like Now they're vintage. Oh, you can't now get they're now. cool. Yeah, exactly. And then if you keep it even longer, then it could be an antique. So there's always a justification for holding <laughs> on to something. There's never quite the justification for that rainy day to go through a box, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I highly recommend spring cleaning as a time to at least go through a box. At least look at it and think about Challenge it. Challenge yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, like a, a clutter buddy. So that way, like each of you. What's like a clutter a, buddy? Well, like somebody who's accountable. So oh. like you go through a box, I'll go through a box. We'll both feel better. Okay. Doesn't it, Will you? Yeah, <laughs> because you can donate help? things. You pay it forward. Yeah, okay. it's good stuff. Maybe you and Mike could do that. He could be a clutter buddy. Well, Mike a is not day. a pack rat. Yeah, see? So he could help you with this. He, Yeah, somehow he's still with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful. Somehow he's still with me. But I had a great suggestion for my friend Jennifer, though, where I think a lot of the things that people don't want to get rid of because they have some sort of emotional value, maybe not financial value that you think you can right. eBay. But if you take a picture of what you find, like, oh, look, here's a funny picture of me and my friend posted on social media. There you go. You've you've posted it. And then now you don't need to keep whatever that yeah, object is. I've been in your house. You are the opposite. Of pack rat. <laughs> uh, Everything has its place. I don't in your I, house. I don't identify with pack rats. I don't get yeah, it. I What's in your what basement? What, what you have no boxes in your basement? Uh, crackers. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, he has uh, it, it, very little of anything. No, we've got storage areas in our basement. And it's with you know Christmas ornaments and all that kind of stuff. Like, if it has a sentimental value, it's more than likely in the Christmas box, or it's in the kids' closet where they we, we've we've held onto a few things from each level of their schooling, which have been really sweet and kind and heartwarming and fun stuff to look back on. But my rule is, if I don't wear it in a year's time, it's gone. I'm getting rid of it, and I declutter more than I allow for clutter to happen. So uh, it's, my wife is somewhere in between. She'll find sentimental value in things that I don't, I don't really get. Like, really? Like, we're hanging on to this? Um, but I am probably the polar opposite in that I just usually find a reason to get rid I could adopt some of that. You want a, you want a great example of what we have? That could be your clutter buddy. He could be your clutter buddy. Oh, yeah, but he won't get rid of anything. <laughs> he, well, he, he can help true. you declutter. I have 10 plastic bins full of Elvis Presley items. Ten? Yes. Of just Elvis? Because Mike and I used wow. to have Elvis parties. How big is your house? Big enough to contain that. That's but, amazing. But that's one of those I don't want to get rid of it, because what if we have another party and we have all these great collectibles? He must really love you. Oh, he does. He, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I put him through that, the that, test. That would give that whole box would give me would give me hives. It's ten boxes. Yeah, all ten would give me hives. <laughs> but at least they're plastic, so that way, That's true. if there's a flood, That's all true. my precious Elvis items don't get damaged. Well, that is good to know. <laughs> he might move those into paper boxes. I, I feel like you're somewhere. <laughs> I in would between. understand. I feel like you're somewhere in between, John, because John is, your house is, I, I am. is very clean. However, your yeah. your your library, or you've got a lot of books. Like yeah. you have you have like a ladder that reaches your books. Yep. Like I don't like to get rid of books, and I have boxes downstairs of. My high school mementos, a box with my college stuff. I have boxes of the girls' stuff. But I, yeah, I think I'm a, I am in between. But I hold on to more than I should. At what point are you a pack rat, and at what point are you a collector? Oh, good. Oh, wow, you're, you're, you're <laughs> trying really hard. That's good. All right, it's 4.15 at WTMJ. We're going to switch gears after the break. I want you to weigh in on this. Are you fed up with the tipping culture in our country? Everywhere you go, from self-serve at the ballpark to Panera, to the conventional places, are asking for and expecting more tips than ever before. What's your philosophy on who you tip and how much? We talk tipping up next right here on WTMJ. It's 4.15. The tipping culture. When is enough enough? So I have two things that really grind my gears that have happened recently when it comes to tipping for both of them. First off, everywhere you go now, you pay on the point-of-sale devices that looks like an iPad, and they punch in your stuff, and then they turn it around, and they try to look like they're doing something else back there because it's awkward for them to, and the screen is facing you, and they want you to leave a tip. I was in Panera, and they did this. And the options had turned around the screen, and the options were 25, 20, 18, custom, or no tip. And the boxes for the 25, 20, 18 custom were literally bigger boxes than the one that said no tip. So this nice person who I just used that term and I shouldn't have, a person who barely spoke to me at all and seemed disinterested and not happy with her job was when it took my order. It was just maybe having a bad day. I don't know, but wasn't friendly. I could, it was barely communicating with me and then mumbles and turns the screen around. Okay, you're taking my order at Panera. I don't feel obligated to give you any tip. The next person behind me, you're going to take their order too. Isn't it your job to take orders? You're not doing anything special for me. That irritated me. Um, I left no tip. And then I felt guilty about it. But I left no tip. I also needed plumbing work done recently. So I called a couple plumbing companies and I asked about a specific plumbing job, replacing cartridges in my faucets in my house. And one place I called, I asked about labor rates at all the different places. Mm-hmm. One said, well, labor is about $125 an hour for the plumber, but the plumber typically gets tipped 15 to 20% at your discretion. I was like, the plumber? I'm tipping the plumber now? You're charging me $125 an hour and I got to tip you? Here's a tip. Pull your pants up. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Why Why am I tipping the plumber? Needless to say, that guy, that company didn't do the work at my house. Just give you a space to put the cash. That's all that is. John. <laughs> Coin <Cash slots>. <laughs> yeah. The plumber, really? Uh, so it's got us thinking about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. It's a very strange situation because I, I've gone to American Family Field. We, we did this over the weekend. And they have these little self-serve areas. Mm-hmm. And the big yeah. coolers. And, right, so you pick your own bottle of water out and you check out. Mm-hmm. Now, it's the same little point-of-sale dealy bopper that you can tap your credit card on or stick the credit card in, and it gives me an option to tip. Well, who am I tipping? Am I tipping myself? <laughs> I'm the one who got the water. 
<laughs> right? So sometimes it's just on the system, but I don't know what the expectation is. So if I go back to, you know, 25-year-old Greg, bartending Greg, if you're making me something and I can see you, the person I'm talking to at the counter making it, then I am more inclined to tip. Mm-hmm. And that may include a coffee or a smoothie here at at the market hall. I get that. You're making me a drink. We'll throw you a little bone here. It may end up being an extra dollar. Okay, fine. If you're leaning over and grabbing something that's already done, like a donut, (laughs) I'm not tipping you for that. You're you're just wrapping it in cellophane and and sticking it in a bag. You're you're really not doing much here. So I I think part of it's derived from being a bartender, but the POS system's... Oh, just lead you to this very uncomfortable and awkward moment where you don't want to make eye contact. It's the devil. You don't want them to look at it and to see, like, oh, that jackass didn't tip. Like, exactly. I'm going to botch his order. Like, it's just a very strange and awkward situation. And for them, too, I sense sometimes it's strange and awkward. And where does the money go? That's a, Who gets it? Yeah, that, I wonder, because it used to be all cash. Very much so. Or I would. there was a time where I would ask, or, or they would, they, servers would ask you, you could tip in cash and... It'll get to me tonight instead of having to go through the credit card system. So now when you tip on a credit card, wherever you are, I do wonder at the end of the night, how does that, is it just electronically all sorted out or I'm not sure how so that, either and what category does Panera. that go into? No, I would not have tipped at Panera because, and this is my own logic, yeah, flawed as it may be, the person who's actually doing the work and making right, what I right. ordered is way off in the distance, and, and maybe I can't even see that person. The no, person I mean, who this, says, this does to that Panera? tip get to that person? But that's what I mean. Does that's it part of what I wonder. split up? I but asked, they're getting paid to do that. We never tipped the guy that made our sandwich at Subway or the worried about the person at Wendy's who's dropping the fries in the fryer. Why? Why, why are we doing that? So here's the other part. It's not my responsibility to make sure they make a living wage. So the, the waitress, the server, the waiter... My assumption is they're on a different hourly wage. And they are. Than the person taking your order at Panera, right? They are. So, so part of the inclination is, well, I, I tip on this order because that's just, that's how the system works. And they now literally I'm being get thrown paid into less. this totally different world where now I have to tip somebody who says, welcome to Panera and I take your order. I don't want to do that. I have some level of. I don't know if it's pandemic guilt or what it is, but I feel like so many food service workers got hit so hard and that they are still kind of depending and getting back on their feet from that, that I typically tip or over tip for the most part. And especially if I have a human interaction, for example, here at Third Street Market Hall, I'm a regular at the pizza place and I always have a chat. Now, does the person at the cash register take a almost cold piece of pizza and turn around, put it into the oven and then turn around and hand it to me. But we have a nice exchange. But that's even I, more I than tip at, about a buck or at least so. they did something for you. Right. But that, so there is that human interaction. So I feel like if there is, especially if it's a little surly and I'm really not getting a, a food experience, then yeah, I don't feel as obligated to round up or tip. As a follow-up to this conversation, yes. I'm going to walk around the market hall mm-hmm. and ask people, what happens to the tips? Because I asked somebody today, I got a smoothie as a component of my lunch, and it's a wonderful smoothie. Somebody had to make it. But there was a person taking my order and then a person making the smoothie. So if I'm tipping, where does that go? And I asked. Yeah. So well, what happens to this, you know, dollar five that I'm gonna that I'm gonna leave you? The answer was? She said, I have no idea. I was like, Does it get to you somehow? I was like, Yeah, we kinda sort things out at the end of the day. Like, but I don't know that this dollar five is gonna get to specifically you or yeah, that's specifically bothersome. her. Like I, I right. don't know where it's going. 
Yeah, that's 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 not. I'm cool. gonna figure this out. I'll yeah. be back right. in a little bit. You figure it out. Let us know. Go do the research. Wisconsin's afternoon news on WTMJ. We are joined by the travel secretary. She is Ann Sayers. Good afternoon, Ann. Perfect music. Isn't that so good? And boy, when it comes to biking options, we have a lot of options, don't we? Oh, we are so lucky. Tandem, electric, recumbent, however you want to roll, we got you covered here in Wisconsin. You could start by pedaling through Jefferson County on the Glacial River Trail. Yes, scenes of prairie flowers, farmsteads, wetlands, and woods create an idyllic ride through the countryside. This trail, the Glacial River Trail, Jefferson County, spans 32 miles across the entire county from north to south. About half of the trails are made up of paved off-road sections. The other half is marked on-road sections. And one charming feature you got to see is the red-covered bridge it passes through. It's a must-stop photo op. And while you're on the ride, stop in Jefferson to visit an iconic establishment that is Weddell's Hamburger Stand. They're serving straight up, no frills, classic burgers, just cheese and onions. You're also going to find sandwiches, brats, appetizers, and more on that menu. And then treat yourself to one of their creative ice cream creations for a perfect pairing of savory and sweet. Ooh, I like the sound of that. One of the great cities in America is right here. It's Madison. It's also a great biking town. Yes, you know, the city is actually recognized as one of a handful of platinum-level bicycle-friendly communities in the country by the League of American Bicyclists, so they know what they're talking about. And to experience some of the best bicycling in the area, you're going to want to check out Lake Monona's beloved Lake Loop. It's a 13-mile route that encircles the entire lake. You'll pass through lakeside neighborhoods, get unbeatable views of the Madison skyline and Lake Monona, and you're going to find several stop-worthy destinations along the way on that southern shore is the Monona Bait and Ice Cream. It's a great destination to get, you know, a midday, mid-ride Sunday. That ice cream is made with the Babcock Dairy Plant Ice Cream from UW-Madison's campus. And then, of course, while you're there, might as well pick up some night crawlers to go fishing in Monona. And then you can jump back on your bike (laughs) and go a little bit further along and lounge lakeside. This is really fun, the beer garden at Olbrick Park. They have seasonal uh, it's a seasonal beer garden that delivers stunning views of downtown Madison from across Lake Monona. And it's just like a perfect way to cap off your bike trip. And I like you can pace that. You can bike at your leisure and enjoy a beer there while you're looking at the lake. I like bait and ice cream. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so funny. I guess wash your hands. <laughs> Definitely. <For sure>. <laughs> In western Wisconsin, though, there are actually three connected state trails to help you explore the Chippewa Valley. Yeah, this is such a great place if you want to put on some serious miles on your bike. Uh, the Chippewa Valley Trails are made up of the Chippewa River, the Red Cedar, and the Old Abe State Trails. In total, you can ride 76 miles of tremendous trails. All three are filled with gorgeous scenery. They pass by prairies and wetlands and forests, alongside rivers and sandstone bluffs, and through farmlands and cities. You're going to find trailheads for the three state trails in the communities of Cornell, Eau Claire, Durand, and Menominee. If you're looking for a shorter ride, you're going to want to consider the Old Abe State Trail. That's a 20-mile paved trail. It connects Lake Lesota State Park with Brunette Island State Park. And then also be sure to ride the into Chippewa Falls to treat yourself to Max's Bistro and Bar. They specialize in coastal Mexican cuisine, but they also have seafood pasta, 
entrees, grilled cuts of swordfish, mahi-mahi, fish tacos. Yes, mm. please. Mm-hmm. And then to discover more biking destinations, check out the Wisconsin Trail Report. This is our interactive map-based report. It highlights trail networks for recreational and mountain biking across Wisconsin, and it includes general trail conditions and ideas for nearby dining and lodging. And you're going to find that at TravelWisconsin.com slash trail report. Are you a big biker? I'm no good, but I definitely enjoy a day on my bike. I'm definitely <laughs> like the ice cream, maybe the ice cream and bait kind of biker. I like that. Well, yeah. these are great for photographers, too. I know a lot of people who love to get on their yeah. bike and, yeah, just try a new trail and take pictures of mm-hmm. the landscape, of birds. It's really inspiring to get out into the Wisconsin nature. I was just going to say I like to do it for birding, too. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Ann Sayers is the Travel Secretary. You can check out everything we talked about in greater detail at TravelWisconsin.com. Always great to have you with us, Ann. Thank you so much. Same. Thanks, team. It is 444 at WTMJ. Tim Sheehy on what's going on with shared revenue right as we sit here at this moment. That's up next. Tim Sheehy is the president of the Metropolitan of Milwaukee Association of Commerce, and he's always taking care of business. He is with us on the WTMJ Hotline. Hello, Tim. Yeah, I'm going to be with you. So I'm trying to figure this out. Shared revenue is being debated right now in Madison as we speak. A press conference was just held where they said that no deal has been made yet, but they're talking about it. Reports are that the governor and legislative leaders in both parties have been meeting over the past couple of days. I want to start with this question for you. There are indicators now that a compromise is being worked out and a vote is going to take place in the Assembly today. None of us have seen the bill. Have you seen the bill? Yes. Actually, there was a hearing on the bill um, a couple of weeks ago. It's Assembly Bill 245, if I remember correctly. And that bill has a lot of the core elements in it that are go- that, that I understand are going to the Assembly today for a vote. Remember, this is a long process. The Assembly has to approve it. The Senate has to approve it. The governor has to sign off on it. So this is not atypical of bills where there's a lot of jockeying before it gets to the floor. But the core components that we've been talking about for weeks are in there. I think the new news today is that it seems like the legislature and the governor have agreed, at least on shared revenue, that everybody will get a minimum 15 percent increase. And I think the city and county were like at 10 percent. So that means a little more shared revenue for the city and county, which is good. Um, And then the second part of this was the sales tax. And in order to enact the sales tax, it looks like the assembly version is going to still require a referendum. There had been discussion about, you know, other ways to enact it, maybe a unanimous vote of the common council or two thirds. So I think that piece still has to play out. But, you know, we've discussed this over weeks on the air. And the bottom line is there's a clear and present danger to Milwaukee's finances. I think we're getting closer to that clear solution. And I think good progress today from the governor and the legislature, even though the bill going through the assembly, I don't think will be the final version. Tim, I don't want to nitpick this, but I guess I'm going to. You know, you're connected, and that's why we value you, because you have insight and you know these things. You just mentioned three things that are going to change, and there were numerous lengthy amendments that were added to this bill today that I haven't even had time to read because I'm on the air, and yet this is going to go before a vote, before any of us really know on substantial pieces of this legislation, which you greatly laid out there, where they stand and what was changed. Is that is that typical? This just It bothers me. 
Yeah, I mean, it can bother all of us, but it's not atypical of the process. But, you know, this is not a train, I think, that's left the station. It's only left the one part of the of the journey here, and that's the assembly, largely intact um, from what's been discussed, you know, with the referendum and a little upper on shared revenue. Now, there's going to be another hearing in the Senate. The Senate's got to deal with it. Um, and then, you know, the governor. So, so there'll be time. But, yeah, this is a challenge with lots of very complicated legislation that it sits around and then it moves really fast and not everybody gets a chance to absorb it. That's very fair criticism. So, Tim, yesterday we had Devin Lemahue, the Senate Majority Leader, on the show, and he said that he doesn't believe this should go to referendum. Everybody I've talked to, everybody who's in a position of authority, except for Robin Voss, the Speaker, says this should not go to referendum, including his Republican counterpart in the Senate. What do you believe happens here? I mean, look into your crystal ball. There's going to have to be somebody's going to have to give somewhere. Yeah, with like lots of legislation, there, there's give and take. And in some cases, it's not even in the same piece of legislation. You're giving up something in one bill because you want something in, a, in another bill. Um, and I believe the version that's going to pass the assembly will have a referendum. And then there'll be some further negotiation. And I'm hopeful that referendum is, is not in the final version of the bill um, because I believe the best way to vote on this, and we've talked about this and we may disagree, is having the Common Council and the county board and the mayor and, and our local elected leaders, having them make that decision, and also taking into effect that this will affect people who come to visit Milwaukee, who work here every day, that there's a, there's a broad constituency that needs to be included in, in any final decision. But, you know, so, so I don't think the referendum is a hard and fast, it's going to be in the bill and it's going to stay in the bill. Part of what's been discussed and now apparently will not be part of the budget is funding for the much-needed repairs at American Family Field. And the idea of a jock tax is once again being floated as a way to pay for some of this. It would not be enough money, so this is really not a feasible solution. But does MMAC or do you have a position on turning to a jock tax to fund any of this? Yeah, yeah. in part it's what was used to, to justify and to fund Pfizer Forum. So the players, uh, the payroll and the taxes, the income taxes that are paid are what's helping pay off the bonds that were used for Pfizer Forum. So you could look at something similar for uh, American Family Field. But I think the point the governor made was, you know, I'm going to put in 290 million and between the income tax that the players pay and the sales tax at the ballpark, we would pay back that $290 million in about 10 years. So I, I think that the taxes that players pay are an important part about thinking about how we pay for the financing of the enhancements, in this case, of American Family Field. Tim, you want to shift to some positive Good news. I got, uh, no, it was a good discussion, sir. Oh, definitely. Well, and John isn't kidding. I mean, you you are connected and you are right there in the thick of things. And we appreciate your perspective and helping explain some of these things, even if uh, there seems to be disagreement on the approach. Uh, but the good yeah. news, Milwaukee moves up in the best places to live list. Did you see this in U.S. News and World Report? I, I haven't read the report to great extent, but it's it's great to hear um, that we've moved up the list. You know, my, my flip answer is if we're, if we're really good on a list, 
It's fantastic, well-researched, and well done. If we're not high on a list, it's just cheap, and nobody really looked at the details. <laughs> <laughs> well, we jumped 10 spots this year. Now, number 65 of 150 of the best places to live. Yeah, and I would say we're better than 65. But I would agree. You know what? If we're moving up, that's, that's fantastic. And I think whatever list people put together, you know, you want um, a quality of life that's accessible. You want good education. You want a, a well-funded um, and, and, and local government and state government that balance their budget. Those are all the things that we can control. We can't control the weather. There are things we can't control. Um, so let's focus on what we can control to make this, to help us keep move up, move up that list. And uh, Green Bay, number one, the number one city in the whole country on that very same list. So that's good news for them. Do you have other that's good great. news for the week, Tim? Yeah, my good news for the week, I think I'm thinking about the closing of Cardinal Stretch. And one thing that gets lost there is, MSOE, and I think they're a small school with a big impact. They have 2,800 students. Um, they're just adding a new 58,000 square foot um, engineering center. They've put in a $34 million computer science building recently, $14 million upgrade to a direct supply conference room. So it's a small school that whose graduates are greatly needed in the community. And I think um, the good news of the week is we should be thankful that we have MSOE in Milwaukee. That is good news. Great point, Tim. Always good to have you. Uh, glad you're back in town. Thanks for being with us. And I guarantee we'll be talking about this uh, sales tax and shared revenue next week.